The other thing that, that occurred to me when I was watching it was, what makes this person laugh a lot? I know that's not a fair question, but because of that intensity, and I know what you love, what you do, or else you wouldn't be doing it. I've, I've come to the conclusion that <laughs> musicians are as romanticized as that concept has been by other people. The reality is, as soon as you go on the road and do what you do, yeah. it's not romantic, it's not yeah. fun, it's yeah. a lot of work, and it's a pain in the ass. It's but after years, it's it's after years of missing lovers or children or that it's just that and the money and the survival thing it's just that that tires me really but because of that intensity i'm thinking okay what what would make chris just laugh out loud and go nuts is there such funny. a thing because you always there is there is but but i'm also but you know this is the thing with me too and it's a fine line it's like i'm really i'm on i quit high school when i was 17 i'm i didn't read anything when i was a kid my parents were art people, but I wasn't reading anything in my mom's books. I was influenced by them. I was was working out uh, in motorcycle racing. And, you know, I, I was actually the opposite of intellectual, but there was always something that attracted me that is exotic to me, like the, the intellectual. I made myself read Shakespeare and Camus and stuff because I didn't know how to concentrate that much, and I'd never read shit before. So it's... It's a little me compensating with my lack of educate, with my own feelings of being like the white trash a little bit, which I'm only partially, really. I'm not raised in a trailer home, but I was raised around, and I lived with my mom pretty close to the ground. We only had wood stoves and like all kinds of shit like that. It was really, really basic. Um, I lived for three years in a house with just an outhouse and no hot water when I was in high school, and just when I started playing. I'm a little insecure about being so uneducated. I mean, in my, our family, no one ever even considered college. Uh, I mean, except my, my sister, who, who is a school teacher now. It took her 20 years of bringing herself through school and being a cleaning lady for, you know, my parents never asked me, never thought about it, never suggested it at all. They, neither of them went to college, you know grow up there it's like total American you get a job and then leave the family and never look back when your parents are really old then maybe you can go see them when the job's done you know, it's total workaholic compulsive kind of anti-life <laughs> it's interesting when you say uh, an because I, I would I mean it's very rare that the Albert Camus comes up in, in my interviews <laughs> and, and it's certainly not material for the uneducated. Uh, but I don't know if it, you know, part of it is to me that I'm impressed with some ideas that, but it's also the, that there's things that have articulated things to me that I felt. And, you know, I still don't know if I have the right to talk about because it's, I'm not sure if I'm just being impressive saying Albert Camus, he really means something to me, but I, I still is like, it, it, I don't really think in like, you know, I don't remember people's names. I don't remember essays that I love or paintings that I love. I don't, I don't have an academic way of processing stuff. So I'm trying to compensate to be more worldly. I, I mean, I am, I think I am be, via my poor boy side too. It's a little bit to try to impress myself with because of my lack of education. I think writing, is a little... You know, I mean, I look at all your interviews, and this is why I want to continue, because I, I spent most of yesterday just reviewing tons of interviews that I can get access to. Mm -hmm. And almost everyone talks about certain lines of the song where they'll cite your lyrics and stuff. 
and that's not mm. a place where I want to go with what mm -hmm. I do because I want to hopefully present you in such a way that he's here's a musician, but he's here's mm. the person behind the music, not mm -hmm. here's my work and right, song right, means right. whatever. Right, right, right. But for them to be quoting you, and I've I've done this hundreds of times of mm -hmm. studying people's interviews, mm -hmm. and very rarely do I come across that many interviews where it's all it, there's always a focus on what you've written, and to me that's. You know, there's obviously something you're saying, and and, and it's, it's striking people's minds and hearts with, which are, with your words. To me, I, and not to me, it's intellect. But it's funny. It's I, I'm trying to get at something which is really what I've always been trying to get at. It's, it is a, it come. It brings me back to like smokestack lightning from Howlin' Wolf, or like the very primitive, you know, Duende, Garcia Lorca, Spanish. You know, the those kind of Eastern. What motivates? folk songs, you know, and and f lyric poetry or whatever, you know what I mean? Like that kind of, it's, it's a, it's a, there's something in it that's very, um, and I have tried to educate myself, but it was also in, in things that were appealing. I've been reading the Surrealists for the last eight years. I'm kind of bored with it now, but it, but it, it's also an epoch that I find really wild, of occupation in Paris and crazy lovers and crazy artists in that era of psychoanalysis just kind of being young and that whole era of kind of crazy um, vital, you know, Picasso and Camus and Andre Breton and these kind of guys. A lot of it is, I think it's trying, it's trying to give myself some affirmations of some of my questions, you know, which, which purely you know, still I can listen to something like like Smokestack Lightning. It answers all my questions, but I, but I'm not a black man from the '30s. You know, I'm also influenced by. You know what I mean? I feel like if it's really honest blues now, or honest folk music, I, that's really what I feel like I do is like folk music, not pop music, and that is blues too. You know, um, it's kind of more intimate folk music or something, or, or more sexual or visceral or something. Um, I mean, folk music in a way of like, you know, flamenco to Arabian music to, to what act, Indonesian, what people are, what they're actually singing about is like, stuff it's, it's not very topical. <laughs> it's really existential. And I, and I didn't even, you know, even, even say word like existential, some, it's just because I know the word, but it's not what it feels like to me. And how you write about these things, I have no interest in appealing to intellectuals, but I love it when I appeal to someone's head, but also their confusion, their ambivalence. They don't even know why it's appealing. And that the lyrics aren't that clear. It's a, you know, it's a it, it implication or something. Well, I didn't mention Sunny Landry. He's a beautiful the, guy. The, the thing that he likes the most is the fact that whatever he creates, and he says, you know, it's not my guitar playing, because that's it's not what it's about, it's about my songwriting. That's and beautiful. the fact that the song, the, the fact that things happen to the song in other people's minds, mm -hmm. you know, it's which he has no control over, but he finds that the most interesting process. You know, and, the, and he could write something, and I'm sure this happens to you all the time. Mm -hmm. You write something and somebody else say, I totally trust, even myself, I, I really trust. That's kind of what I was looking for from a surrealist a little bit, but I, 
I thought was a new concept, and I realized that these guys in a different vital time had already been trying to work out that shit as a system or something, but the thing of, um, I often feel like I write songs and don't know what it's about until like a couple years later. Or I wrote it, wait, I wrote this for you. I knew I wrote this for somebody, but I didn't know them yet. Or why did I write this? It scares me, you know? And then, and then, and then a month later, something that's like, it totally makes sense to me. Makes sense is a stupid way to put it, but I, ha I have that too. And, and sometimes it's a reflection that other people give me of something, ah, that's what I was getting at. Like I didn't really, but I love that too, that it's not a conscious, like topical part of my brain I'm, I'm articulating with. I mean, I'm trying to not, but it takes like total trust in your humanness, you know, including your confusion in a way, or, or, or chaos or something, or, or your limitations, you know, stupid, bad, poorly written words or stupid chord I've played five times. You know, not not too, you know, to me that's But really, I also find it very interesting that... I totally agree with what Sonny said. Like that, that's, I mean, I totally, that's a wonderful thing. And sometimes it's frustrating too. Sometimes people get some out of it that's like, like born again Christians would start coming to my gigs in Texas. I'd be like, and they're, and they're judging me. Like, you like these kids who are coming? You know, there's some green haired punk kid. I'm like, yeah, actually, I like that. <laughs> then they're mad at me and leave because they're Christian and like shit like that. I don't really know where that comes from. And but I'm not even big. I have no idea what it must be like for someone like Bjork or someone huge, you know, big who's like has stalkers and shit who interpret them as who knows what they interpret, you know. Now, when that album came out, I considered you big. Did you consider yourself big when the first album came out? Probably. I was arrogant as hell because it didn't sell loads. It wasn't a big record, it was promoted as hell. Sold 250,000 records worldwide, not even gold in America. It was just everyone knew about it, you know? I mean, it was pushed like hell. Wow. Yeah, it didn't sell a lot. No, you know how I feel about the album. But I'm, I, I'm, very, I, I'm very proud of the record, too. I, I really am. I, I, I like all of my records, too. Um, it almost frustrates me that that's the one people know the most, but well, that's... It's a little bit too late to be frustrated about that. <laughs> <laughs> in, in terms of, I always find it interesting. I get to go into studios once in a while and, and watch people work, and that's mm -hmm. always, for somebody who's a non-musician, it's Thank magical. Wow. Mm -hmm. But I get the feeling that um, you will never hear the album the same way I will hear your album. Maybe. I mean, it's kind of an exciting thought in a way. I wish you could hear it a different way. I've done that with records of mine, like listen to them over and over and trying to hear something. I wasn't, and I never, it, I just get too close to it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes listening with someone else, you can hear, you know, it's like looking at your work with someone else watching, you get a different uh, perception, a, a slightly different reflection of what you've made, but, it, but then it takes trust and confidence, which is great, because sometimes a person can be not that trustable a source, you know, or just have an emotional response. And I love that about asking about people being non-musicians respond to my stuff because it's m much more pure. It's not thinking about guitar playing or something, you know. It's just like what they feel and, or what they don't feel, you know. I ask. I've noticed that I ask a lot of. I mean, sometimes I sometimes I think that 
there's people that are really into my stuff that don't really know if it's the way it sounds that they're into. You know, it's not necessarily the music that they're, it's something in it that they're, in, that they're attracted by, but it's not like other music that they're going to just listen to for the fun of it, you know, which I, I like that too, I, though I don't want to be elitist, but I, I, I like that it's intense and it's kind of hard to listen to unless you need to, you know, just simply because I, how much more records do we need? <laughs> I mean, I, do I need to add to the entertainment of the Western world? I don't really, there's people who are really good at it. From Stevie Wonder to Justin Timberlake, I get, you know, I mean, but people are really naturally talented, like Stevie Wonder at that, you know? I mean, I use him as an example because it's the most pure pop person, but he could, he's also jazz, soul, anything, you know? He's just, it's very natural for him. He doesn't have to deliberate, isn't she lovely? It just came out of him, you know? It sounds like that. Most, most pop music is deliberated. It sounds like that too now. And, that I, I don't really regard at all. It just sounds like paint by numbers. Uh, the kind of factory, industrial, the opposite of art, you know, just a little craftsmanship, you know. You know, and there's a lot of Hollywood songwriters like that, and they mm -hmm. all make a piles of money, and they all sell to the same people, and they all sound alike. And I, I don't need music for that, but, but a lot of people do, and that's okay. I want to ask you a little bit about the blues. We can go back to it. <laughs> How has the blues influenced what you do? It feels to me very much like it, what, it's what I am. But again, you know, that's not B.B. King or Eric Clapton or Stevie Ray or Gary Newman or Eric Satie or, I mean, obviously Coltrane Monk, Miles Davis, you know, old school jazz guys, it's all about blues, you know. but not no guitars are there <laughs> you know not not what most guitar guys like to think it, it's it influences what I do too because I've seen it so perverted as a form that it's like I still really believe in people's that's why I really believe in the primitive stuff like songs that are really for like ritual purposes or cathartic or exorcistic or you know, fertility rites or, st or all this kind of thing um, that are completely uncommerce oriented. And I believe in it as a, as a possible thing to be able to offer people for sale too as a, from my culture, you know, I'm not from Indonesia, or I'm not from, you know, North Africa, I'm not for, I, you know, I'm not a primitivist in a way in where I'm from. You know, but I have my own elements of that, and 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 a lot of the the blues stuff that I still go back to is mostly like from the thirty, like Buck White, Robert Johnson, really primitive stuff. We, and they don't even barely know what they're playing. You know, or early forties, John Lee Hooker, like the first recording of Boogie Chillin'. You know, like the first one, he's just stomping his foot and playing. Um, no bands and stuff. Almost, almost none of it's electric blues. Um, almost none of it's Muddy Waters stuff from that era. Some Willie Dixon, Muddy. But the bands are like upright bass, and they sound so strange. They don't sound like rockin', boogie, you know, da -da -da -da, or you know, or an early Elmore James just because of his singing. But, but it's, it's all for me that it's like a, the need in this stuff. You know, it's in Hendrix. 
Jim, Jim Morrison in a, in a, you know, they were like stylistically hippie kids trying to be blues like everyone was, things from cream to every, you know, mountain or something. But, but he was also pulling this like poetry thing that to me is also Rimboa's blues, you know, it's, it's like actual need, you know, and it's something existential and, you know, there's other words we could use too than like a, than like a word like existential, but it's, it's way before all these words too. It's something really, 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 um, essence, you know, you can say primal or primeval or something. I, I think it is all of those things, but that's the stuff that I look for. You can hear it in rap that, that isn't too, except it's so stylistic now that, you know, it's hard to hear things that are that stylistic without having a cynical filter in front of you in our culture now. You know, without thinking it's just someone following the game, you know. That's what it is for me now. And, and Hendrix, you know, totally to... Who do I think now? I don't know. It's, 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 um, it's, it's not really a, a, it's not really a, a pleasant thing always. <laughs> I mean, so I think that's why it's always been hard to sell, except as a formal thing like boogie, guitar solo guitar slinger blues that is easier to sell than than something like what I'm doing it's I don't hear guitar solos in your like not more of a rhythmical thing I'm not into guitar um, honestly I mid-range instruments playing solos it's just like it just sounds so boring to me now and electric guitar was like the perfect soloing instrument that you can bend the strings and everything it's you know, it's like a whole, and it's, that you can f hear the fingers, not like a piano. I mean, Monk is beyond, you know, his, his like overtones in half steps and how he used the pedals and he was bending notes on a piano, you know, <laughs> really manipulating overtones. So crazy. Just his harmonic ear, but again, there's something really primitive in him and it's hyper sophisticated. That's way beyond like Madonna production. There's in terms of harm, harmonics and shit and emotional complexity, ambivalence, scary or it's ecstatic, you know? Popular music isn't typically like that. It's always picturesque. It's like all black or all white, you know, Disneyland, you know, like a horror movie or a every happy ending. Never like real life, that's what blues for me is really about, really mostly about that, like real life. It can be in almost any form, you know, guy on a banjo or a guy on a, you know, sequencer or computer. It, it really can be. Some Aphex Twin I can hear like that, like at least the impetus is really trying to be, express something about in the sphere that he lives around, you know? Um, if, if I was to ask you about that perfect moment on stage, because it's a concept that fascinates me, once again, not being a musician. And I think there's some equivalent in my life of that. Mm -hmm. But when you're playing and you get there, can you explain what that's like to you? It's funny. It always scares me, which is sad. <laughs> it's mostly scared. It's like anytime I feel good, I feel scared. You know, like so many people probably, it's like, like, I don't deserve this or it won't last or something. And I don't even go through those thought processes, but I know that I'm feeling that because I start to, act weirder, like being more nervous. I'm like, wait, it's because you're feeling good. When I feel like something really resonates and I have it in different ways, you know.
Sometimes I've had it like walking on in an arena of 15,000 people, you know, and playing solo. Like I, I, when I was touring with Petty, I'd play the first song solo every time, and it was the most f fulfilling to me. It was like really this sort of like naked relation to people, not production, not other sounds. It's my hands and voice and thing and people and this big place, you know. But, but also playing in tiny ass little club and having, I had once something last tour in San Francisco that just blew me away. I, I, um, I was tuning and I was like, sort of, and I was sick and I was sort of frustrated. I did two nights in San Francisco and, and people at one point just stood up and stood up and just started clapping. Like it, they were supporting me. I didn't do anything, I was just tuning. <laughs> And I hadn't just said something or something like that. And it was really just like they, they were holding me up in this totally human, stupid, clumsy moment of tuning guitars. And it made me feel totally connected and, and totally like you're loved, you know? <laughs> this very basic need of recognition or, or recognizing that we recognize each other, not me and the audience, but us all, all you know, or something. That's what it, that's like the, the most, It's somewhere in there that, that the feeling that is the most high for me is that I feel like it is a little bit I have to be in some kind of good form, but I don't even necessarily have to be to have that feeling. Um, it's just, you know, it's a matter of getting out of my own head and feeling the, what the room is feeling. Not, oh, they heard that song that they liked from that record, but more, you know, I can play sometimes like Hotel Vassarize and that song and, um, and people just get really quiet and I, I can just feel the room listening and a little bit scared, but it's like I'm, I'm getting at articulating something that without being literal, that people can feel, you know? And it's really ambivalent and I just love that because it, it's, I think it's because of what it was always lacking in my life, trying to cut through the filters and see what you're really, you know, be allowed to feel or see what you're really, how, what you really feel, you know, and not have it kind of be like taken for granted or, or talked out of you or belittled or... When I, when I listen to you talk, I just find fascinating. Oh. You know, you're just so articulate. And, <laughs> so um, unmanned. And then, then the question is, when I saw you last night, there's very little interaction with the audience in terms of talking. I mean, obviously there's interaction yeah. in terms of music. Is that... Is that different per night, or is that just your preference? It's different a little bit per night, but not a lot, and sometimes I don't say anything at all. It it's usually depends on, I mean, a lot of it too is that I, I'm shy, and I'm in a situation that I expect more from it than I can actually get out of a situation in a little club. <laughs> I usually talk too much with like lovers or my daughter or stuff to people that I'm close to, I have too many ideas and they usually get bored of listening to it, you know, and um, it's, you know, it's true, or, and, it's, and it can be egoistic too of me, it's true. Um, it's also because I'm a little bit isolated probably with my ideas, especially in Europe and stuff, but. Um, but I mean, I think everybody was hanging on every, everything you were doing last night. But there's also a thing of, you know, it's like if you give, you know, I realized this when I, when I, my daughter was really young, you know, if you give like, so many presents and it's like a, in graphic design too it's like there's too much to look at you don't see it all or you go to a museum 
if there was only one thing on the wall in the whole place, it would mean so much. And I'd go to museums or, or a concert, a festival with 10 bands. I don't see any of them except little bits, you know? And I, and I feel like sometimes when, I, when I'm not saying anything, then it can concentrate people a little bit more. Unless you're just not, you know, it's Friday night and you're getting, and you just want to get drunk and dance, and they're just not going to pay attention and talk away. And it's totally their right, and I, and it's my right to not be the entertainer. But, but, but I, I feel like um, mostly it's sort of a, um, it's, it's also that I, you know, I, I don't really know how I would react now if I was used to touring like big theaters. If there was a little more iconography around me, and I was, and I was insulated, in a way that there's something really beautiful about mythology, you know, and you know, it's too bad it has basically become a sort of perverting tool for media. But it, it's also a, media can be really creative that way. And Bowie, or there's people who have used it creatively in an expressive way, imaging, you know, and. And I don't, I can't think about that on little stages when I'm there alone picking my nose because I can't go anywhere else to pick, you know, like, and I have to tune the guitar and plug it in. If something's screwed up, I got to do it all. And so it's like, to me, it's along the lines of like, I cannot put reverb on and pretend I'm a production when I'm one dumb guy standing there. You know what I mean? The, even the sound of that irritates me. It's like, I'm not pretending, I'm just a, this, you know, you know, I could use drum, I could use other machinery and pedals and other shit, and it could sound more modern or something. But it's just like those are all like diluting elements from what the really essence is. I'm trying to get at, and sometimes I can't turn it into a spiel. You know, I could if I. I mean, it's not that I could turn it into a spiel. I begin to feel more confident about what what I like about what I do and what I some people seem to get from it that I think is the most, the most interesting or hopefully the most resonant thing about what I do. You know, some people don't, they just like, they just think it's Delta Blues, national slide guitar guy, even if I don't play any slide guitar the whole set. That's also mythology though. They, they like it to see it like that because I'm holding that old guitar or something like that. A lot of Living With The Law was imaged in a way the Robert Johnson box set came out that year and a guy with a national on the cover, and it's a new guy, how are you gonna promote that? What kind of music is it? It wasn't really blues. There's no traditional blues structures on the record. And, and it sounds like I Forget You Every Day or Dust Radio or like just, that's totally not that. But somehow it gives you the feeling. And that's also pictures and images and, and maybe photographs too. That's funny, but do you think it, it the Robert Johnson box that had an effect? It, it, it had an, it totally did that um, because it was suggested that I'm the next Robert Johnson, you know, by Columbia. We're both, Columbia put out the box that Robert Johnson and I'm, you know, it's like kind of slightly naive marketing for, for, for a guy who's not easy to market. I mean, it's kind of like a little ditch attempt to, to fit everything. I mean, it, it was it, still a great album. I, that's what, no, no, that's all. I don't mean the, the record, the music or the record or the pictures in the record or something, but the way it was uh, the bio, biographies that were sent out. You know, when everyone came down to, to New Orleans to, to do press while we were down there, and all of a sudden I'm a Southern guy, which I am partially, but I'm not only, I'm also much more complicated. I'd already lived in Belgium eight years, in Mexico, and 
all sort of shit before I was in New Orleans and Texas and everything. And I definitely have a, through my parents, a Southern aesthetic in some ways, but I also, you know, my parents have ever been to Europe, you know, so I have another thing too. And New York is a kind of bastard place too, a mix of stuff. Can I ask? You know? And I don't want to the last question, but there's a couple okay. more came up. When you live in different places, especially exotic, not exotic, but quite different places like Belgium and, and New York and whatever, how does that change your perspective of music, or does it? It does. It especially does where, it, I mean, it's just strange too, it's, it, but all I've really learned finally was that it's like you can, it's, it's very similar, like you can, buy a, you can buy clothes if you're traveling, you know, you can be in a good mood and have a day or some money or something, you'll be in like Paris and buy like, oh man, I love these pants, you know, and then you go back home and you're like, man, I'll never wear this here, or buy something there, yeah, I'm gonna take this traveling, you know, and you go somewhere to Europe and you're like, this, I feel so stupid in this here. Like somehow the, I often wrote urban music when I was living in the country and wrote rural music when I was living in the city. It was something I was longing for to balance out my thing, you know, and it, living in, in Europe, I start, I mean, the guitar music and traditionalisms and nostalgia and stuff is bigger in America. It's like sentiment and clinging to something that people know because they just are working so hard. It's a, it's a, it's like a product of capitalist value of like work, 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 you know? Leave, let the kids watch TV. Forget about mom, she can go to the uh, old folks home. You know, like, I gotta go to work, you know, like. And then, and Europe too, but it, <laughs> Europe too can be so like heady, sophisticated in a way of like, deliberate the new sound that they m miss what they really get from American music from over here that is like sexual and stupid and you know and smelly and like that is the real root of techno. At root, it's still like rock and roll. I mean, at root, it's still like sex. Get off. Have you know, exorcist. You know, you know what I mean. Like, get it out. You know, it's still the same with house music. Really, I mean, at that initial root, it probably was the same with Mozart. You know, or I don't know, that's maybe weird. But so I, for me, traveling has made me, depending on where I was, doubt what I was doing. <laughs> like I'd be in Europe trying to be sort of like sophisticated and then come back to the States and be like, what was I doing that for? And then be in the States come, and come back to Europe and go like, man, this shit is boring. Guitar music? Man, they only listen to that like old fat guys in America listen to jam bands and shit. But, I, but finally, I, what it gives me is, um, and it's really just now, it's, it's because I also had this, I always had this thing with my own roots, our R&B, that dumbass sort of sex, visceral American thing was all, not quite enough for me. There was always a melancholy that I missed that isn't really in that, isn't really in music from over here, country music or, or black music. Um, you know, Bowie, some of the melancholy that's in European music and, and music that's from other cultures isn't, we don't have, and I always miss that. And it's something that is not obvious and it's more, it's mysterious in a different way. I think that I am talking about something technical, like literally chord changes. You know, one, four, five of blues doesn't satisfy all the, 
the expressions I'm looking for, you know, and some of it's more melancholic, which to me leads me to Europe, and I, and always has, and I think after living in East Germany the last times, which is really unaffected by MTV so far and stuff, it led me into a voice of my own a little bit more that, that my thing, my, my roots do work with, or I start to feel a, um, a, a thing that really is my own, but still really blues, but still really possible to express some of the stuff that's a little bit weirder than like just sex and death or something like the gray, you know? Um, when, you, when you move around so much, and also with the nature of your job, is it easy to feel like you're at home? No, <laughs> I I don't now. I'm like I don't now. I'm like I, I I don't know what it is. That's the weird. That's the, really the thing, and that feeling does inform a lot of my music too. Of like, where's home? You know, or where do we belong? And I don't know if that means if I'm asking a question of place or is it like some old hippie song, we gotta get out of this place. Is that, I mean, it is partially, you know, it's partially existential, like belonging where, to the world that you're born in, you know? Which is, you know, I, I, I'm grateful too for my bastard perspective of like, I don't know exactly where I'm from, so I'm sort of from everywhere. Um, but at the same token, it's like, it's hard for me to say, I'll go home and, it, and I see a picture of a room in my head. I don't know where that is really. I grew up living in a few different places, in Japan, mm -hmm. Hong Kong, Canada. <laughs> and I think when I meet people who've lived all their lives in the same neighborhood, it's weird to me. You know, and, and yet, at this point in my life, I think I had moved like 16 times by the time I was 16. Not, you know, totally yeah. different places, but enough times, so. That's a lot. So I, you know, I feel very comfortable calling Toronto home, and I probably mm -hmm. want to be here for mm -hmm. the rest of my life. That's nice. But having lived through those years, I think you see something completely different that other people don't. Whatever the experience yeah. is and whatever the culture is, yeah. I, think I think it's a different kind of... I think it, it's totally true. I see it with my daughter now. I was born in Belgium, but lived in New York till she was seven, and, and now, now and went back to Belgium with her mom and moved back there. And she's kind of like having especially a teenager today, you know, identity. Who am, where am I from? What do I like, you know? It, it's, a, it's, I wish I, but I'm also glad that she has that too. I feel that way too, I don't understand, and they cannot understand if they don't, haven't had that experience too. So you, you can talk all night to a lover or something about what you feel wishing you knew what home was or something, it's like a, Ego, it ends up being an egoistic melodrama because it'll never understand really. I mean, really, what you feel. <laughs> but on another level, that it, if it's existential, then everyone can. You know, I mean, we have, we also have, ex we also have physical examples to articulate. I mean, it must be like that because some. I, I feel like that's impetus in all of my stuff on some levels, and some people born and raised and stay at home and still know see their mom and dad every weekend and stuff that can respond to it. So there must be something in what you describe too that another person could relate to, but just in, metaphorically, but like spiritually, metaphorically, but that's not always enough. Well, I think it's easy for all of us to feel that, like we don't belong. Right, <laughs> right, that's what I mean. Yeah. Alienation, same old thing.
When you look back on your career and what you, what you do, how do you describe your passion and where you are right now? I mean, how would you summarize all that? I am. Um, I just finished a record. I have a new record coming out that's very electronic, but all acoustic guitar, but also um, European rhythm section. And, and Malcolm Byrne, who produced my first Living with the Law, um, we hadn't seen each other and we haven't worked together since Living with the Law 14 years ago, but we hadn't seen each other in like five or six years. And it was a kind of vital, weird combination, us two, and I really like it. It's it's really dark, but really melancholic, and, I, and it's, to me, it's totally. I try to. It's totally like folk blues too, but no one will hear that. And it's structurally, there's no choruses. There's no except on one or two songs. Um, I'm still turned on by. I really am. I'm still turned on mostly by, not by playing better guitar or singing more or whatever or or writing more cleverly or in, something I, I'm still turned on by trying to articulate the, something that I experience that's more complex than what I've heard before, you know, but what things feel like to me. Even just someone saying, I love you, it's like, you know, it's like it's so rare that it feels in a music like what it feels like when you hear someone singing about X or the sound of the music to everything, the, the, the impetus behind the voice, everything. And that shit still really totally excites me. You know, it's kind of like getting at my subconscious, but it's not only that, you know, and it's not only emotional either. It's something more than just emotional. It's like a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff that I think people really experience things on that are just not reasonable and not not rational necessarily and aren't also you can't really buy and sell as confusing as love or something or as unliteral untopical in a way of unfigurative as love you know you can't say what it is you know and just in general and and all the things that motivate me to even talk about that and and then it's trusting my own human stupidness to and then trusting people to and, and all of that is part of the is part of the work that I do I feel like you know not to make it sound important but it, it's it's totally interesting to me and I don't mean interesting intellectually it's exciting to me like to try to get at something that articulates something that I don't even know what I'm know what that's why I can to me I can feel like I, if I'm really trusting if I'm really trusting what some some something then I then I am um, will end up showing myself something that I didn't think of, up that I didn't deliberate it wasn't an idea it was more than an idea it was deeper in me than a thought an idea that's um you know it's, it's to me it's really like the f most beautiful thing in the highest art but I love what I love about and I also got that from my, both my parents being artists that, and me not being educated. I love the folk thing. I, I, I don't really like, I love Camus and these guys and stuff, but I also always get to a place where like, I can feel like they talk to each other and I'm not a high, I'm not, I don't really respond to highbrow stuff except to a degree. I still like that it's like folk, dumb oriented, three minute song, not a symphony. And it's, can be confusing as hell. That's maybe perfect, you know. You know, I mean, for that's very um, 
I find that it's totally a powerful possibility in that. But I, it, but I'm always trying to figure out how it fits into my culture, where people don't even want to pay attention to a, a, a film unless it's edited, to, you know, or, or something unless it's never lets you, you know, calm down for a second. Music to even lyrics and, and singer-songwriters is like the amount of cleverness and perfectness. It's so banal. So flat to me a lot. Or music, like guitar players fixating on the notes they're playing. It's like Hendrix is so beyond that, you know? It's about notes, but and a little bit something. It's just a it's just a side effect of what he's really trying to get at, or a, a tool for what he's really trying to get. That's so, and it also keeps me sort of faithful in people because I really do believe that people feel a lot more than they can even express, including myself. That's probably also why I don't talk on stage because I feel like I can finally say something. Visual artists a lot. My mom was like that. Visual artists a lot um, either don't talk at all or talk way too much because they really have another. F their medium that they express themselves in, you know, really. And it's always like talking is always like clumsy and you use too many words or they just don't say anything and they're just sort of weird and moody and quiet, you know, like I always felt like that with photographers or, or with, I mean, who are, who are really artists, you know. If you were to summarize where you're at right now in one sentence, what would that be? Um, I'm in some sort of evolution. <laughs>